Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today I'm speaking with Lisa Fitzpatrick. She's the go-to coach for high-achieving, spiritual, entrepreneurial women who would like to gain greater visibility and share their message with a wider audience. She's a specialist in sustainable business practices and loves supporting women to grow their online and offline presence. As a best-selling author and founder of Sacred Women's Business, Lisa believes that when women tap into their feminine wisdom, the feminine shift restores balance and equality and helps heal our troubled world. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure. It's lovely to be here. Thank you, Millette. Now, before we jump into more about your business journey, I would love it if you would tell us just a little bit about you and maybe some of the things that you like to do when you're not working. <laughs> Wonderful question. I love this one. Um, I love, I, I live in northern New South Wales, which is a very beautiful semi-rural area of Australia that basically has beautiful white sandy beaches where, where the beaches meet the rainforest. And so for me, um, I especially love being in the water. Here we have the most beautiful beaches and rivers and, and places to swim. And we have a beautifully alternative style of com community life around us here. So for me, um, mixing with my, my local friends and being at marketplaces and being in women's circles and enjoying everything the North Coast has to offer, I've certainly indulged myself. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, probably my most important um, use of time is really with my beautiful sons. I have two teenage sons. Um, my oldest boy I'm teaching to drive and my younger boy is a very high-level soccer player. So uh, they keep me busy, all right? Well, I bet they do. Now, the first part of our conversation is going to focus on your business journey. So I would love it if you would tell us a little bit about your background. You know, how did you get into coaching? How long have you been in that? And maybe a little bit more about your business. What exactly do you do and who do you help? Great. Yes, I've been a coach now with Sacred Women's Business for five years. And prior to that, I was a yoga teacher and physiotherapist um, working a lot in different yoga studios around the world. Uh, doing trainings and workshops. And one very pragmatic reason why I got into coaching is because my yoga business was really requiring me to travel a lot. And I wanted to create a business that I could operate from home, which still focused on the path of transformation, which is really what uh, became why I became a yoga teacher and why I became a coach. And, um, and very, very excitedly set up my business via the online channels and started to find that 
because I had some international networks with my yoga uh, connections that the business filled up with wonderful clients very quickly. Now, it was seeded. The whole idea for me to be empowering women in my coaching business was seeded in a welfare queue in 2005 when I suddenly became a single parent and um, I really realized at that point um, in this welfare queue that I, I didn't have a single mentor that I could turn to to really give me personalized support on this journey of trying to find myself again after my whole life exploded into this um, unrecognizable place. So coaching was really born out of this desire to provide support to women who may be struggling to find their life purpose, they may be struggling to find their direction in their business. Uh, the women I work with are very, very heart-centered, generous, sensitive, intelligent women who have got a mission and I think so many of us have big dreams and big visions but we are not sure what what you know we're not sure whether we have what it takes and a good coach will always support someone to to see that they can do it right so do you normally work with people that are entrepreneurs do you do you work with people that are in the yoga space or did you make a larger shift to where you're just working with all types of people yes good great question i started with a lot of people in the yoga industry supporting uh women to sell up their yoga businesses, yoga studios, and yoga um, retreats, etc. But now my business has diversified. I have a really nice wide variety of clients, but they the one thing in common is that they all run service-based business. So um, I have a lot of you know, healers, naturopaths. Um, I have incredible coaches on board in my, my coaching practice. Um, anyone really, any, any woman who also finds herself in that dilemma in service based business where she wants to grow, but she is such a giver that actually by 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 growing the business any bigger she'll she'll experience burnout so for me to support someone with sustainable business practices is a really it's a real passion of mine and i believe that um sometimes we can we we can grow a business too quickly and when we're supported to grow a business sustainably, then we have longevity. And that, that's something that gets overlooked in this very flashy, quick fix society. Right. So let's talk a little bit. I actually want to talk about a couple of things. But first, uh, talk to me a little bit more about what is what are sustainable business practices? Mm -hmm. So sustainable business practices are basically a ways of understanding and being conscious of our business decisions so that our business decisions are ones that will give back to society and to our own lives in ways that feel nourishing and nurturing to us. So I, I, I love to support women, especially to understand that when, when we're in our feminine energy, we're very magnetic. 
The other thing about sustainable business practices is that they're very much aligned to our own genius zones. So when we're in service-based business, it's very common. I, I hear women say that they're spreading themselves too thin. They're trying to be web designers. They're trying to be social media experts. You know, um, it's really, really um, an interesting world we're living in because a healer or someone who is born for service, their genius zone lies with supporting people. Let's face it. They're not web designers. They're not social media experts. <laughs> but um, so many business owners try to be the things that will burn them out because they're not necessarily the right fit for their, you know, for their, their, their skills. So, uh, so part of my practice is, uh, supporting women to be to be col collaborative in their approach and to find the support they need and to learn how to delegate and to resign from being the chief executive officer of the whole universe. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you tell women that are just getting started and maybe they don't really have the budget to hire out for all of this stuff or on the flip side, and, and the reason I'm asking this question is because I do this as well. I like to do everything because I want to know how it works. I want to know exactly how to do it, how I like to do it, how I want it done. So when I do get to the point of hiring it out, I'm going to feel comfortable being able to delegate that and know exactly what I want. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm with you. Um, and that's a very important point that we it, it does serve us well to understand how everything works behind the scenes in our business. And also, you're right, in the early days of startup, many people don't have the funds to actually build. And I guess I was in a fairly uniquely um, supported position um, in in my my the way my community is set up, that I was able to um, do quite a lot of exchanges in the early days of my business. So in exchange for coaching, I was able to receive some of the support that I needed. But I guess what it boils down to is that in those early days, in the startup days of a business, yes, there is a degree of busyness. There is a degree of, of running the marathon to get things started. Um, and there are some clever ways to make sure that we don't burn out in those early stages. But for somebody who doesn't have the funds, I think we can all be creative in the way that we exchange our work for, yeah, for the things that we need. Um, I don't recommend doing that for a long period of time because obviously cash flow and income are an important part of a business too. But um, I, I'm, I'm not a big believer in these six-figure overnight success stories. Um, I think behind the scenes, that startup phase is a pretty – tough journey for most people and I'm pretty realistic with my clients that we need to dedicate a certain period of time and energy to that part of the process and um, usually by the stage I get to start up with someone they've been through a sole purpose program with me they might have realized that the business that they'd like to start will specialize mm -hmm. in a certain type of you know offering and by that stage um, some of the very 
basics are there uh, that, that that we can build on. So I love taking long-term journeys. I have some clients who have been with me for five years. So for mm-hmm. me, that longevity aspect um, is a is a really fulfilling part of coaching. Speaking of not being an overnight success, everybody experiences these ups and downs when they start their business. There is absolutely no one that's an overnight success. I'm convinced of it. So let's talk a little bit about your beginnings, because one thing that you did say was that when you got started, you had a pretty good network already built up. And then that's sort of where you started was with that um, existing network. So first of all, let's talk about how important is it for people to get those good contacts and those good relationships and that rapport to get all of that surrounding them as they're getting started? Yes, this is such an important question because we forget that the people around us love us, they want to support us, they want to see us succeed, and that really our best audience are the people that already know, like, and trust us. But the fascinating thing is that many people are too frightened to tell their immediate, you know, the the people that love them exactly what they're doing now. So when people become coaches, they actually forget to you know, tell the the people closest to them exactly who they're serving, what they're doing in their businesses, and whether they are ex- currently accepting referrals for clients, or you know, asking their family to share the love. And some clients have even confessed that their own families don't know what they do in their business. And I think that's fascinating because, um, really. Uh, our private email lists, I don't mean our, our um, you know, our opt-in lists from our beautiful website um, creation and portal. I mean our private email list is really our gold mine. And I don't mean that in a, you know, let's um, try to sell to our family kind of a way. What I mean by that is that our family are our advocates and our marketing agents and our support network and our cheerleaders. So why not reach out to the places where we're already, you know, people know, like, and trust us already? Well, one thing about that, that that I can speak to is that I think a lot of times or a lot of times these days, people don't really understand how you can make a living just giving advice. You know, and that's something that I think a lot of coaches run into is people don't really get it when you tell them that you're a coach or especially if you tell them you're a coach and your business is online, then they doubly don't get it. So what would be a piece of advice for someone who's new and maybe their family doesn't quite understand or their friends don't quite understand what it is that they do? How can they bring this network on board to help them out? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the way I did that was to actually send a, 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 an email to the people that I felt would be good advocates for um, what I was doing. I think it's very important to have your who, who, what statement very clear. So so that's also known as your elevator pitch. As a coach, we can get very general 
and we can say that we serve, you know, people to understand their life purpose, for example. But I think um, we need to be very clear about the who, who, what is who you are and who you serve and what problem you actually solve. So as soon as somebody hears that statement, they will understand whether it's relevant to them or whether uh, it's relevant to someone they know who is struggling with a problem right now. So the more specific or or niche, as we call it in Australia, um, that we get, the clearer it is to the people around us who we help so they can be a source of referral for us. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's one thing to say, oh, I'm an online coach and I help people figure out their life purpose. That doesn't come across nearly as clearly as I help businesses get their message out on Facebook or something like that. Yes. Very good point. So let's go back and talk a little bit again about the beginnings of your business. When you were getting started, you had to have had some ups and downs, even though you said you had a really solid start. Talk to us about maybe a disappointment that you experienced as you were getting started. Yes, I got really, I had a lot of low points in the, in the early days. I still have them. Um, one of them was getting serious anxiety when I realized that uh, certain clients that came on board or potentially were interested in coaching were not suited to my niche. So for me, um, understanding that I couldn't help everyone was hard <laughs> because as a, as a service-based person, we all want to help everyone. And I hear it from clients a lot. They say, no, I don't want to niche too much because I'll miss out on business. But we, we must, we must. Otherwise, we end up again getting burnt out and we do have our specializations. Um, when I realized that my coaching practice was full, um, it was a really, really hard time in my business because I hadn't learned how to leverage and I knew that I needed to find ways to leverage where I could serve people, m- more people without having to clone myself. So for me, that was creating an e-course. Um, and I also was very shocked at how unhealthy the entrepreneur's lifestyle was. So after being um, a yoga instructor and a very active therapist, I found myself sitting behind a desk and I put on about, I don't know, five to ten kilos and realized that sitting in a you know office with Skype calls coming in all day would just not be fulfilling for me. Um, so for me, building the offline part of my business where I see a lot of clients in person, I do a lot of live workshops, I teach a lot in person, that's been a really nice way to bring the balance back between online and offline. 
Mm. Well, let's talk a little bit about something you said, which was once your business had a full roster, you really had to look at how to leverage. So when coaches get to that point where they just don't have any more time, is that the point where people need to start thinking about increasing their prices, increasing their offerings, like you said, maybe an e-course or some sort of an online offering so that they can go a little bit more one-to-one? many? Yes, I think you're right on, right on track there saying that they need to increase their prices because not everybody is desiring to do a one-to-many business model. So yes, to leverage the business, the one-to-many approach is, is a wonderful thing, but it's not for everyone. And I think if we love the one-on-one coaching and we want our business to also support us, then yes, going for a higher end price point is an ultimate goal to have. And in my experience, as, as, as my practice has got busier and uh, occasionally waiting lists have, you know, have, have formed for the one on ones, um, then I have had the luxury of being able to increase prices incrementally. And I think that, um, it shocks me now when I look back and I think about those humble beginnings and how, how cheaply the, the prices, you know, were in my business to now when I, I, back then I would never have believed that people would pay for coaching and, um, you know, to the level that they do invest now. And that's a really beautiful side effect of growing on slow cork and making sure that it's incremental and, you know, nobody's fallen off the edge of the abyss because they've stretched themselves so far that it wasn't sustainable. <laughs> right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the future. You mentioned that you had created an e-course and then you, you also mentioned that you really love digging in with your one-on-one clients. So what is the future of your business? What are you excited about creating next? Uh, yes, so I've, I've noticed a pa- some patterns in my business, which, um, and I, I'm always looking for patterns which excite me. So for me, um, I, I'd love to create a platform for, for women, uh, to speak. I notice a lot of my clients are really yearning to find their voice, um, you know, in, in public speaking opportunities. The other thing that I've noticed a pattern in my business is that I'm attracting a lot of coaches who are struggling to find one-on-one clients who will pay them for their wonderful work. So for me, specializing in supporting coaches to do that is, um, probably where I'll take my, my focus in 2018. So do you do a lot of public speaking in your business? I do. Yes. I, I love to, um, I love to public speak. I, I, when you say a lot, I, I don't speak every month, but I'm constantly doing live teaching opportunities. Um, and I do, uh, a few big events each year. Uh, I'll speak at a few big events every year. So, uh, that keeps me pretty busy. Now, do you use the public speaking as a way to earn income, as a way to where to raise awareness about your brand? 
How exactly are you utilizing that in your business? Yes, I find it's a really good marketing tool. Um, I don't, I, I tend to sell uh, my books at the public events. I don't tend to charge a big speaker's fee. So I'm not necessarily creating a, a massive income stream from the speaking itself. But the side effects of the speaking, I feel, are very, very valuable and have helped to create awareness and exposure for my brand. And, and, um, and yeah, as I said, I usually sell, sell my books. So that, that can be another great income stream. Yeah. Let's talk about your books just a little bit. Um, what got you interested in becoming an author and just tell us a little bit about the books. Yes. So I started, uh, doing fiction writing as a hobby, actually. And then uh, when I started the coaching business, I realized that a lot of my blog posts were showing patterns and themes that would be great to, you know, to, to pull together for, to support clients and to support their journey in service-based business. So um, I wrote uh, Healing the Heart of Your Business, Sustainable Success for Heart-Centered Women. And prior to that, I had also been invited to contribute to some anthologies um, about success strategies. Um, and, and very fortunately, these uh, became um, bestsellers. So they were able to also provide some great exposure for my brand. Would that be something that you would suggest for maybe not necessarily a brand new coach, but just someone who's looking for another way to gain some exposure or to get their message out there would be a way to maybe pull together some of their blog posts and create a, a short ebook? Or, I mean, do you, do you like the idea of, of coaches getting on Amazon with their message? I think that it's important for someone to love writing. The writing process is a, is a fairly, you know, labor intensive process and not everybody's cut out for it and I think a lot of coaches feel they should write a book and that they should public speak but one of the things that I feel is so important is that that we identify where your genius zones are and that you operate from those and if you're not a natural born writer then no, it's not the right choice. It will burn. It will make you feel burnt out. It will make you feel resentful. <laughs> but if you love writing, even though you know it's a, a wrestling process, then great, go for it. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful way to le- to 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 gain exposure. For those who don't love writing, we always have video. We always have podcasts. We have so many choices to suit your particular genius zone. So the idea is not necessarily to try to be everywhere and do everything, but to really hone in on what really makes you feel great, what you feel like you're really good at, and focus on those things. Exactly. How easy is that? Well, you know, you you can say that it's easy, but in this day and age where when you see other people and it looks like they are doing everything and they are absolutely everywhere, you start to doubt yourself if you can't be all of those things too. You're you're absolutely right. 
and uh, and we can guarantee that those people that we see that we think are doing it all probably have spent many years working out what brings them to life, um, especially the ones that last. I think this is a fascinating um, sort of um, study as well is to see who has been in the industry for a, you know, a longer period of time and, and who has lasted the distance because really I think it's one of the best piece of, pieces of advice that my coach ever gave me was that success is, is just simply staying power it's the ability to stick at it, to not give up, you know, and to be tenacious. Right. Well, speaking of sticking with it and staying the distance, knowing what you know now about building up a successful coaching business, what would be your best piece of advice for someone that's just getting started if they're really serious about being successful? What would you say should be their first action step? Uh, yes, I think uh, making a pledge or a commitment or creating a mission statement for a business plan is a must. So your vision needs to be exciting and compelling enough for you to pull you forward in your business. And sometimes in, in a business plan, for example, the mission statement might only be half a page. It's how you would love for your business to look if everything went well in five years' time. And I think a business plan is a really, really good place for any new or aspiring coach to start because a business plan helps you to map the course of your journey and it can be revised. It's not set in stone, but it's like a, a little bit of a soul map and something that points you in the direction of your, your mission, which really we need a big, we need to be able to dream big and for that dream to pull us through the very hard um, slog that sometimes building a business requires. Uh, so that and getting very clear on your intentions for how you will bring income into your business if if that is important to you. So, you know, for some people, they're, they're blessed with the luxury of having support behind them financially or, or you know, um, the, the, the imperative to earn money isn't there at the very start. That's great. That's wonderful. But for someone who is relying on the income in the early days of business, I think they need to be very clear on their numbers. So how many clients they require to you know, to, to, to create the income they desire, how many clients they can comfortably service in one week in their individual circumstances. So some of us being mothers, we may not want to do a 40-hour week. We need to work our business around ta tailoring our business to our specific individual needs. And this is not a one-size-fits-all. Right. So what would you say would be your favorite strategy for getting those brand new clients into your business? Uh-huh. Yeah. So fortunately um, for me now, my business appears to have its own 
nice momentum <laughs> where I, I find, you know, clients find me through my, my online, my online channels and my social media. But I think the most powerful thing of all in the early days is being so, um, good at what you do as a coach being taking so much pride in caring for your clients that they become your word of mouth referral network and you know for me the most interesting thing was that even though in the early days I focused on setting up a website and social media channels what got me all of my early business was word of mouth referral and I had one client who referred six new clients to my business in the first six months of my business. And I thought wow. that was phenomenal to, to, to realize that that would be such a big part of my, my building process was um, an expansion process. So definitely making sure you get great testimonials and social proof that what you do is, is powerful. And really believing in your skills so that when you do go to the marketplace, you're not doubting that you can help as many people as possible in your niche. Now, one thing that you said earlier was collaborations, that you really encourage people to think about collaborating. Is this something that you think that coaches that are pretty new to the game, is this something that they could do in the sense of maybe swapping coaching for testimonials, maybe swapping coaching for something that they may need in their business, like photographs or web design? Uh, so swap, uh, doing contracts and swaps is, is a fantastic way to bring in new clients um, because also when you're collaborating with people in the marketplace um, and, and especially doing work in exchange for testimonials, um, you start to find that, that word of mouth and ripple effect you know, you generate a, a bigger um, and wider network through, and and it's amazing how many people will will refer to you from networks outside your existing networks when you do that. So, I'm a big believer in collaborating. We're not in competition with other coaches as much as we might think that there are competitors. I think it's so important for coaches to support other coaches as well. Um, and when we really when it really comes down to it, um, every coach will coach quite differently, even if they are doing a similar niche. Not everybody's personality resonates with, you know, with, with a client in the marketplace. So, um, what a client that might be attracted to one coach may not be attracted to another coach offering the same thing. So I just don't really believe there's a huge amount of competition, even though there are a lot of coaches now. Right. You know, Lisa, this has been so good. And I've learned so much in this short amount of time that we've been talking. I would love to finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Uh, not comparing to others and being able to really check in internally to how I'm feeling about a particular decision. So I'm not doing things out of the should. Um, and em em embracing unique and individual strengths are, are the key, I think. What is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to develop? 
persistence and tenacity and endurance. I hope we can group them under one quality, staying power. What is one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life that you would recommend to the listeners? Definitely The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without. Uh, This is an indirect answer, a values list. So know what your brand values are, know what you stand for, so that when you get online, you know exactly what vibe or what party you're going to throw. Mm, Nice. (laughs) No, that actually makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Now, finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? Um, What social platforms are you on the most and what's your website? I've been loving Instagram lately, so that's at Sacred Women's Business. And then I am, I do have a lovely Facebook page, a Sacred Women's Business Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the new feminine leader. Um, and then my website is www.lisafitzpatrick.com.au. Great. I will be sure to get all of those links and recommendations onto the show notes page. Lisa, this has been such a great conversation. I want to thank you again so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Millette. It's been lovely to connect. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.